You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. third edition of the Broncos History Podcast. I'm Andrew Mason, joined by the esteemed, the legendary Jim Sacomano, going into his 42nd season of affiliation with the Denver Broncos, either on a full-time or on a consultant, contributor basis. As always, Jim, a pleasure to be here with you, man. An honor to be here with you, Andrew. Thank you very much. Now, if you've been to DenverBroncos.com and have clicked around for a bit, you've probably seen... The Broncos 100. Of course, it's a ballot of 200 players, and you can write in your choices if you want. You can vote on that, DenverBroncos.com or the Broncos 365 app. But the Broncos will be choosing a group of the 100, calling it favorite, not necessarily the greatest players. You can choose your 100 favorites. And uh, this year, as part of the NFL's 100th season, the Fantennial, we're choosing the top 100 yeah. Broncos mm-hmm of all time and we've put some poll questions out on social media on our show first and 10 10 orange and blue 760 by the way i have a question yes. andrew and the debate has already been pretty intense no one has to vote for a total of 100 do right they? you can vote for it's like the baseball all-star ballot yeah if you only want to vote put for, down john elway you put yeah. down john elway right if you want if you only want to vote for i think he'll make it by the if, way oh yes well actually <laughs> on this gym Ring of Famers are automatically checked. They have to be because if they became a Ring of Famer, you can't. You've obviously said it all about them already. And so, yeah, they're going to be. And now a couple of those guys are eliminated because their owners are coaches in the Ring of Fame. Uh, Pat Bolin, Jerry Phipps. question then becomes, I think, does Champ Bailey eventually have his number retired? They have, the Broncos have not retired a jersey since John Elway back in 1999, but Champ is the first first ballot Hall of Famer yeah. for what he did as the Broncos since then. Sort of brings and, an interesting, interesting and, uh, accomplishment there into the debate. And no one wore number 24 until last year, briefly, when we acquired Pac-Man Jones, who I don't, I'm not inside, so I don't know the conversations, but he had played in Cincinnati with our current head coach at that, at that time, and I'm, I don't know what kind of influences were made, but the next thing you know, he was, uh, <clears throat> he was in number 24 for a while, but... Um, it didn't look right. No, it sure as heck didn't look right, <laughs> and... Um, I won't say that I won't say that a number was sullied. Mm-hmm. Nothing is sullied forever anyway. But uh, Champ Bailey, uh, he owns twenty four. He's to me, he's forevermore twenty four. Yeah. In the Broncos uniform, he what he did, and it didn't end. Now with Pat the never ultimate. wanted too many numbers retired. Right. But we're still not talking about too many. If you no. go in that direction, I mean, you're not talking about. The Yankees, uh, you know, 17 numbers or anything like that. Well, I think it's interesting if you have, say, a set accomplishment and say, okay, if you achieve this. If you're a first ballot Hall of Famer. For what you did as a Bronco. It's similar. What gave me that idea, Jim, was 
at the University of North Carolina, they have a very rich basketball mm-hmm. history. So if they wanted to, they could sit there and they could retire 20, sure. 30 numbers. But they have standards in place that are pretty high. For example, it's like a na- one of them is National Player of the Year. Most yes. schools have never had a National Player of the Year in basketball. Carolina's had enough of them to where you're talking about, say, a Michael Jordan up yeah, there. Yeah, that's your and, standard. Yes, and that's, and I think that's. It's and key they to can have say, that. "Hey, we we were very happy about what you're accomplishing at this other school. That's wonderful. Right. Our standard happens to be this. It ha- it needs to be lofty, and having a concrete standard, I think, helps. It, I think it legitimizes the process. Yes. It's like, okay, there's no gray area here. If you weren't a first ballot Hall of Famer, you're not getting your number retired going forward. I agree with that. But that's why, and, and it's still something that would be exceptionally rare in Broncos Exceptionally history. rare. Yeah. So if Champ Bailey's number was retired, number 24, it would only be four. Well, let's see. How many that's other fine. first ballot Hall of Famers do we have? Not Terrell. We have John Elway. Right. Not Gary Zimmerman. Not Gary Zimmerman. Not Shannon not Sharp. Not Shannon Sharp. So we have two, and in fact, even the guys who who are considered Bronco Hall of Famers by the Hall of Fame, I'm not even sure they were first ballot Hall of Famers, uh, Willie Brown, Tony Dorsett. Besides, you said that one of the qualifiers is what you did as a Bronco. Correct. And the other guys are considered secondary by the Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. because they weren't weren't noted as a Denver Bronco as much. And, of course, 18's already out of circulation for – Frank Trapuca and what went into retiring Frank Trapuca's number in the first place? Almost nobody knows. The Broncos did it, and they did it. And it was done at a ball game, so now we're talking about a ball game with the attendance being eighteen thousand or twenty-three thousand, and they announced it, and it didn't seem like that big a deal at the time because nobody knew how big the Broncos were going to get. Y- you know, it's like uh, if you picture a different school or something. Uh, uh, Cal Davis saying, "By golly, this this is a numbers that's going to be retired, and nobody realizes that someday Cal Davis will be number one for five straight years in football mm-hmm. or something." And they'll say, "How did this happen?" But at that point, people do have to realize that Frank Trapuca was the franchise at a time when there wasn't mm-hmm. anything here, and he was the first three thousand yard passer in pro football history, or in college too, in, in the history of the game of football, and. Um, and he was symbolic of a lot, you know, a lot of things. If there's no Frank Trapuca, oh, my God, there's no reason to go to the games, Andrew. I don't even know if the Broncos survived to become the Broncos. And then, of course, Floyd Little, that was done pretty much with the end of his career, right? When they had Floyd Not Little Day up, at the end? About 70, about 70 uh, 75, 74, they had yeah. Floyd Little Day, and they gave him a bunch of stuff, and they retired it. Now, he... He literally... He people, was the franchise. Yeah, that's his nickname. That's his nickname, which I and Dick Connor, the late sports writer and sports columnist, gave him. And um, a lot of times I'll just say, hello, franchise, to see him. And But people say, what was his speed? I say, you know, considering he was carrying a time zone on his back, <laughs> it was pretty fast. But, uh, yeah, he was... Uh, there's a thousand Floyd Little stories, uh, you know, about, oh, my goodness, uh, you, you know, you know, Joe Biden told him once he was at Syracuse with me. He said, I always thought it would be you that you would be the first African-American <laughs> president. So uh, Floyd Little <laughs> highly regarded. So 
Ring of Famers like Floyd and Frank Trapuca, they are automatically on the Broncos 100. You can't not vote for them. They're already pre-checked. And that's fine. That's fine, yeah. yeah. That's it where gives you start. a starting point, yes. But where this debate gets interesting, I think, is when you get to talking about resumes that look different. Here's a good example. We did a poll question a few days ago. You can find that on Mace Denver. Find the results of it on Twitter. But on our show, our first and ten, ten orange and blue, seven sixty. We asked about some running backs who are going to be in the Broncos one hundred discussion, and we had four choices on there. But I thought the most interesting two names on the list of four choices on this Twitter poll were Otis Armstrong and Clinton Porce. Well, they both they both uh, were exceptional for the Broncos, and then uh, Otis had to retire due to injury, mm-hmm. and Clinton continued to have a notable NFL career. I think a one-hit wonder who really only had the one hit, a big game and a big season, but didn't do anything else here or with any other team, that's kind of like a one-hit wonder. Right. But if a guy got to that category of seven, eight years, I I haven't done my ballot yet, if you will, but I, I'd have a hard time putting Otis off. Yeah, I think and Otis I'd put is him old. and I'd put him ahead of uh, Portis, but I would. But I'm not saying that Clinton Portis wouldn't make mine. I don't know. So we the poll that we had on May second, we had four choices, and in chronological order, Otis Armstrong, Sammy Winder. Mike Anderson, Clinton Portis. Now, Mike Anderson had a couple of thousand-yard seasons and was Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2000. Portis had 2,000-yard seasons in two years and more yards in his second year in particular than Anderson had. Otis Armstrong, 2,000-yard seasons in eight years with the Broncos, including leading the league, averaging more than 100 yards per game in 1974. And then Sammy Winder... Had the 1,000-yard season in 1984. Pretty solid career, but was always sharing time with, you know, Gerald Wilhite, Wilhite. Steve Sewell, Gene Lang. I would put Sammy ahead of Mike Anderson. I would, and I'd put Otis. uh, Sammy won this poll, by the way. Sammy won that poll. With 30% of the vote, followed by Mike Anderson, 28, Clinton Portis, 23, and Otis Armstrong, 19. I think the low number for Otis Armstrong is simply because it's a Twitter poll. Can't help it. Younger audience. Younger audiences vote. They never heard of Otis Armstrong. I think I would have to list, you choose the uh, Floyd and Terrell list, but those two, and then I'd go with Otis Armstrong, and I'd probably put, I might put Sammy next. Wow. Yeah. I, I, because Sammy played a long time. And we went to the Super Bowl three times in the 1980s, and the only Pro Bowlers we had on offense were John Elway, Keith Bishop twice, mm-hmm. and Sammy Winder once. And that's it on three Super Bowl teams. It's part of when you look back at John Elway's legacy. Yes. Even before the two Super Bowl wins, one of the reasons why, to me, he was a Hall of Famer even before Super Bowl oh. 32 and 33 were because of what kind of team, especially on offense, that he carried to the Super Bowl. My um, my good friend uh, with the PR director for the Washington Redskins at that time 
told me that uh, our game was on TV, and he asked Joe Gibbs, who do you want to play in the Super Bowl? We were playing the championship game. And he said, anybody but the Broncos. And he said, why? And he said, I simply don't want to play John Elway. I don't want to play the one person. That would have been probably before Super Bowl Twenty Two. Then I would imagine. Well, they won it, or did they win it? Uh, Super Bowl Twenty Two is when yeah, Twenty Two. Washington they won beat Denver. Yes. Now in there um, were other years. San Diego. Right. Yeah. Now what's interesting is eighty six. Of course, that was when the Broncos lost to the Giants, and then in ninety one, in the early game that day, AFC NFC Championship Sunday, January twelfth, nineteen ninety two. The early game was Buffalo hosting Denver. The late game was Washington hosting Detroit. Oh, that's right. Maybe I've got my years mixed up, and Buffalo won the game. But And if David Treadwell had oh. been just 50% Missed three field goals day, in the first, first half. It would have been enough. Yeah. With Gary Kubiak leading the way after coming in for uh, injured John Elway. Label it how you want it, but it was the worst first half performance in championship game history by a place kicker. Three misses out of three tries. And it's part of the reason it is why, scoreless half. Part of the reason why 15 months later, Jason Elam was drafted. It Not happens. immediately the next draft, but right. soon after. So that's, a, that's uh, no offense. That's an interesting story. No offense, though, about. but it happened. But that's an interesting story, especially if the championship they're referring to is not is the 91 season rather than the 87 season, because saying you'd rather face John Elway, you'd rather face the Bills with their explosive offense rather than the John Elway led offense. And certainly Washington mauled the Bills John, in the John Super Bowl. Elway it might have been a different game. Was a devastating uh, player. And um, once upon a time, I said to Jack Elway uh, something nice about Dan Reeves' coaching career. And Dan Reeves had a very good coaching career. And he'd be a legit Hall of Fame candidate himself. But, um, but I said, yeah, Dan won this many games. And Jack said, yeah, he won about 40 of those. Uh, after he had given it up and just told John to go ahead and see what he could do, didn't he? <laughs> and uh, and there's some truth to that. I, I got to tell you that uh, one time after a game, John Elway called me over and he said, were you uh, in there for Dan's press conference? And I said, yes. And he said, well, I don't want to stir anything up. Whom did He didn't say whom, but whom did Dan say called the plays on that last drive? Meaning it was John, but he didn't want to say it if, and I, remember I pointed to the other side of the locker room. I said, look at that. See that? There's 20 guys around Vance Johnson, John. By now, he's told him everything because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's Vance. <laughs> so you might as well just tell him the truth. No filter No on filter. Vance Johnson. But, uh, but John Elway was a, a player that most people cannot imagine how good he was just because they can't imagine it. So they, you know, like I heard people say, well, you know, it took Elway a little while to get going. I said, yeah, his second year, he was 13-3, and three, had the best record in the AFC. Didn't take him any time at all to get going. But that was an interesting team because, if I recall correctly, I researched the numbers on this a few years ago, both the offense and defense ranked in the bottom eight, nine teams in the league. They were It was a 28-team league at the time, and they were both – below 20. But John Elway did not rank. in right. the. He ranked like number one player in the league. And that defense was also very good at forcing turnovers, as we most famously saw in that Monday night game against Green Bay with the two fumble returns for touchdowns to open the game. Only the, game in history would that ever happen. Right. And the offense was good at capitalizing, although the defense, because it could score on its own, 
I mentioned the Green Bay game. I look back at the regular season finale against Seattle when Steve Foley has the pick six. Steve Foley, by the way, to me, he's a slam dunk for the Broncos 100 and actually could be in the Ring of Fame conversation well, as he's still if, the all-time interception leader. I will say, if you consider that Simon Fletcher is legitimately in the Ring of Fame mm-hmm. and he's our all-time uh, sack leader, only he's no longer our all-time sack leader because that record's been broken, when will the next Bronco get 44 career pass interceptions? Steve Foley is sitting on in territory that... Uh, is going to be real tough to match. I think that's the one record in Bronco history that I look at and say yeah. it's not likely to he be was a broken great in my lifetime. He was a great player. Played corner, played safety. I remember the day he was drafted. I <laughs> arrived there. I was the first media guy there, as Tulane always. Tulane quarterback, right? Yeah. And uh, I said to our, the PR guy, uh, Bob Peck, who eventually hired me, the late Bob Peck, I said, uh, what are they looking for today? Got their eyes? Anybody said, ah, you know, they got a quarterback from Tulane they think might be a safety and uh, he sure was. Steve, by the way, regretted and does regret not to get a chance to play quarterback in the pros. Really? Yeah. Well, but, you know, a lot of guys, they, you know, when they've had the ball in their hands, they, if you ask Champ, he would accurately say he would have been best, one of our better receivers of the team. But as Mike told me, Jim, I'll get killed <laughs> if I get Champ injured playing wide receiver or returning a punt, which he's clearly our best guy, but I can't use Remember him. Remember, it lasted one game. The start of the 04 season, they play Kansas City on Sunday night football, and Champ goes out as a receiver, catches a pass, and gets upended. I can still recall Champ kind of being yeah. flying through the air a little bit <laughs> after he was hit and thinking, you know, do we really I'm not want to sure do this? about this. <laughs> yeah, do we really want to do this? So, Steve Foley, the other thing I was thinking, he arrived in 1976. That was a point where quarterback position was in flux, to say the least. Actually, I can say this. There is not one quarterback on the roster in 1976, Steve Foley's first year, who is on the 200-man ballot for the Broncos 100. Well, at that Testament time of had, that year being I between Charlie had- Johnson and Craig Morton. I believe we had uh, Steve Ramsey as our starting quarterback in 76, the late Steve Ramsey. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, now Charlie Johnson is a significant personage, uh, and Craig Morton is, is Craig Morton. But that was the donut year. But that was a boy, that was the donut year. And we eventually, I don't like to say this, but Steve's biggest contribution probably was we traded him to the Giants for Craig Morton. <laughs> and that was a that was one of those trades that when you made it, uh, it, it was ominous. You knew you had just done something, and everybody knew we had just done something. Well, I think there are... Like, that was like an, oh, shoot, Denver just got Craig Morton. I have to say, I think... You know, it was back then. Best case scenario on Joe Flacco is Craig Morton. That's a very good uh, case scenario. He came to us late and had a wonderful uh, period of time. Yeah, that, and there's another one that doesn't involve the Broncos, Y.A. Tittle. Yes, going uh, to the Giants. Yeah, because like when Montana was traded, everybody knew he, he still had it. They just had to go along with Steve Young. But, uh, yeah, the only two examples in Denver history is, uh, is Morton and then overall Y.A. Tittle. So going back to the Broncos 100, you mentioned Vance Johnson. That sort of brings another interesting debate because wide receivers it's a position where there are some clear statistical 
metrics that you and, can and lean they, on. You, and the stats today right. are nothing like they were in the 80s or 70s. Correct. So Vance Johnson in the 80s, I think, would probably equate to, say, an Eric Decker in the 2010s. Eric yeah, Decker he'd be a posting a couple, to 90 catch guy. couple of thousand yard seasons and. That's where this ballot gets interesting to me. Interesting oh. to me is when you're comparing across eras and you're saying, okay, Vance Johnson, one of the three amigos, well, let me give you Eric one, Decker. Let me give you one, Andrew. Okay. Who would you put up first on that list? I mean, of those two guys, Vance Johnson or Eric Decker? I have no, no doubt, no question in my mind whatsoever. I'd have to say Vance Johnson. Yeah, Vance Johnson. Now, I'm putting, say, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders ahead of both. Uh that's another thing about wide receiver. It's so statistical oriented that uh, you may wind up with more of them than some others. But Thomas and Sanders have been tremendous. And the other thing, if this is an individual accomplishment to make the Broncos 100, that said, what the team did is going to matter because, for example, I don't know that this list, when it gets down to 100, I don't know that it can be made without all four of the starting members of the no-fly zone. T.J. Ward, Darian Stewart, Chris Harris Jr., Keep Tlaib, simply because of their collective place in Broncos history that will probably endure. And certainly with what we've seen as the standards for the Ring of Fame, I'd be shocked if Keep Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. are not Ring of Famers someday. Well, yet at the same time, we had a tight end who caught a bucket of passes for us, Jacob Tammy. Mm-hmm. But I have to look at that and say, that's Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. Because when he didn't have Peyton Manning, Jacob was a, still a wonderful man, but he didn't have those catches. To me, Jacob Tammy does not make our top 100 tight ends. Actually, he's not even on the ballot here. Well, To go through the tight ends that are, kind of, that are on this list, I'll go through in alphabetical order. Dwayne Carswell, arguably the best blocking tight end in Broncos history as a compliment to Shang Sharp. And he had longevity. He mm-hmm. played 12 seasons, even played some tackle, caught a touchdown pass as a tackle mm-hmm. against Jacksonville, I believe, in Nick early was house. Yeah. And it was a mansion of a house, a very big individual. <laughs> Daniel Graham, 07-2010, of course, son of Tom Graham. Both Daniel and Tom are on the no. ballot of 200 names, by the way. Daniel Graham, a team captain. Not productive, but still on those teams, a very important player. Virgil Green played seven seasons, blocker, pass catcher. Uh, Julius Thomas, he's one of those short career guys where it gets interesting because he only played four seasons, but two of those years saw him set the team record for tight ends with touchdown receptions. But all those names are dwarfed to me. By Shannon Sharp well, yeah. and Riley Odoms. But Shannon Sharp's already in the ring of fame. Riley right. Odoms is probably in that first group of guys who is not in the ring of fame, but you could right. make a good argument for them being in. And then a name I put on there, Clarence K., not the best human being in the world. Well, he had his moments. As, but boy, As a he, player, uh, but yeah. Boy, if, if Clarence... If, I, if Clarence had put into the, if he had a passionate dedication for the game, mm-hmm. it's hard to say what he might have been. And not that it, when he was on the field, 
nobody played like Clarence K. Not a great pass receiver, by the way. Mm-hmm. Nobody could block or had the passion of Clarence K on the football field. But I don't think he's in the 100. He's on the ballot, but I don't think he's yeah, in the 100. And, and because you know anybody who plays the game is a is a player takes a shower after they all they all have my great respect. It's just that everybody doesn't make the top 100. Yeah. That's just the way it is. And and you can't have 14 tight ends, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, you know, or, or 14 quarterbacks. You can't. Uh, well, unless you actually uh, have a bizarre <laughs> history as a team, and that's the way you made up. But it seems uncommon, you know. Well, quarterback is also – it's always fun to debate. And when we started – the series of polls that is that will continue. We're going to have another couple uh, in the next few days here on uh, Mace Denver at Twitter and also discuss on Orange and Blue 760. Quarterback, that was where we began this debate because my, you were... Offhand, my list is the Ring of yeah. Famers and Jake Plummer. Okay. And now you're going to have a really tough time convincing me that somebody else goes into that group well the fans that voted on our poll on may 1st agree with you because i put four names up there and of these non-ring of fame quarterbacks who most deserves to be on the broncos 100 and i nominated jay cutler brian greasy jake Plummer, tim tebow and tebow he has to be on the ballot because of the playoff win over the Steelers alone and just how unusual but memorable that 2011 season was. And, and how unusual he is. And Jake Plummer got 82% of the well, vote. You know, that really makes me happy. I'm proud of that response from the fans because you could not reasonably. It's Jake Plummer from that list. That's just the way it is. It's not close. It wasn't close. No, and, and in my case... It's going to be when we sit down, when the fan vote is in, and you and I sit down, and we have it. Boy, it's gonna, it's gonna take some some real stagecoach pulling, <laughs> to to pull me to somebody beyond the Jake Plummer level. Yeah, and given the Ring of Fame quarterbacks already in, of yeah, Frank Trapuca, Charlie Johnson. Well, I should add one that isn't in, of course, is Peyton Manning. Yes, but uh, Peyton think, Manning. I think he's yeah, heading there. That's one that is a slam dunk. Yeah. And I, I know I, I didn't include Peyton Manning on this because Peyton Manning literally would have gotten 99% of his vote. There is no debate. And in fact, how he would have gotten 99, I don't know. <laughs> there are 1% that are contrarians always are, yeah. in any of these polls that we do. But yeah, Jake Plummer, next guy, as, as we're looking up, we, there is a Godzilla-tron of a television above our shoulder showing baseball right now. Yes. So... It'll be good to see Jake Plummer recognized, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this Broncos 100 is players who almost certainly aren't going to be in the ring of fame it is a chance to tip right. the cap to that's them right. and show your appreciation for what they did as Broncos. You know, right now my little um, grand, grandson is playing travel baseball, and one of the things I think is cool is every weekend it's a tournament, which means you don't – and it's like 75-game season. Mm-hmm. But you don't just get into fifth place and you're buried in fifth place. Every week, you get a chance to win a, uh, a, a medal. Mm-hmm. Every week. So similarly, and I like some of the soccer leagues in Europe to have those kind of special tourneys and stuff. Right. Well, I like the idea of a, a lot of guys who aren't going to the Hall of Fame, aren't going to the Ring of Fame, but they're recognized as, as one of the top hundred. 
I think that's very significant. I No one has told me uh, what might be done with or for these guys, and I don't know what that might be, but I, I personally wouldn't, it wouldn't break my heart if you gave them uh, some sort of a commemorative thing suitable for framing mm-hmm. uh, or something of that nature, you know. A plaque or something like that? Something like that, even a piece of paper. That can be uh, that's suitable for framing. You know, you take it to a frame shop and you put some orange, you put some blue around it, you buy the 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 fancy frame, and uh, mm-hmm. hey, but that's just an opinion. Well, there, I have an opinion as well that the Ring of Famer should have orange sport coats. I was reminded of that this week because the Panthers are debuting well, you know, their we, Hall well, of Honor. Well, are you aware that we're doing that? Oh no, that's really going to happen. Well, yeah, I suppose I. Probably shouldn't say, but I'm not. It's no surprise to the Ring of Famers because I'm the guy who contacted every single guy to say, "What's your sport coat size?" Cheers to you, Jim. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah. And the only question is going to be the color of the jacket. Some of us believe, you know, like navy is is makes sense, but navy sport cat jackets are common. But right. if it's a banquet or something, and a thousand people are present, the orange sport jacket. Singles the man out, yeah. With a with a what do you call it on the what do you call the thing on the above the left breast the yeah, um, like the crest the, the crest the crest that says uh, Denver Broncos Ring of Fame and, it and has that's the, and that's the three in blue main and white. logos of the team. Or? I don't know about that, but okay. I don't know if it have the one that guy played under or just the current one or what. But uh, Denver Broncos Ring of Famer, yeah, that's we, wonderful. Uh, I'm not now. I boy, I have really stepped in it here because. Maybe the team's not announcing that for six months, but I just announced it now. So anyway, uh, actually, I, the, they the, might not do it this year, though, okay. because we've got so much going this year mm-hmm. that we might simply save it for next year. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but when we can recognize them again, but yeah, the, the team is going to do a that's cool a sport jacket. I was reminded of that this week because the Panthers with their Hall of Honor, seeing they they kind of neglected it. Now they come back to it. They had their. Start really kick-starting it with a four-person class, and they're just, just talking to uh, yeah. Lisa Williams at the Broncos the other day about uh, yeah. going to a, a what do you call it a haberdashery? Uh, yeah, to have all these arranged. Oh, that's wonderful. But and they're doing the same thing with their guys as well. They're going to give them panther blue, so it's that really bright, yes, almost yes, Carolina blue, yeah, kind something of a, that jumps out again yeah. when they're at a team event. Yeah, because again, navy or black. Uh, all while fine, but it's not the same thing as a, a color that only belongs. There's only you know where one only one reason it got to be wearing that orange sport jacket. Well, we think of in sports, of course, of the Masters and the green jacket. It's something exactly. that jumps out. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I'm I'm thrilled. Yeah, and I got to but all credit to Joe Ellis. Yes, it was his idea, not my idea. I followed it through, but it was Joe's idea. Well, I think uh, we've seen it around. Elsewhere on the, around the league, to, to even yeah. to even talk about more about something that I shouldn't be talking about. Oh, but anyway, what that's the all heck? right. Well, t- it's good to see that it's yes. going in that. And direction. if you're a Ring of Famer and you're listening, the jackets are coming. Oh, I just don't know if they're coming this year or next. But it'll be wonderful. Got so much happening. But this it'll year. be wonderful to see them all lined up wearing the orange Tremendous. jackets. Tremendous. It's another little. It's another way of making. That recognition. That's special. correct. And another way to me, you know, I don't know if every team is this way, but boy, it seems like a guy's a Bronco. He's a Bronco forever. Uh, and I don't think every team is quite that way. 
But that, that, by the way, is a tribute to Pat. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately when he started, he wanted to do an alumni thing. And the alumni were not the forgotten men. The alumni were, were big. You know, mm-hmm. once a Bronco, always a Bronco. Always welcome at practice. There was a brief period in our history when the coaching staff was a little more reluctant to do that. But uh, let's just say it's, uh, it is wide open now. If, if you're an alum, you are welcome. That brief period is not one that anybody. We all know what it is. Don't think we need to go there. And we all want to remember. Don't need to go there. (laughs) It changed pretty quickly, too. Because then the year after that, you had a flood of alumni coming back for practices. And and I had many comments made to me, too. None of which were negative to me or to the organization (laughs) as such. But in any case, let's move on. Uh, The high road, Andrew. The high road. Every so often, you lose the plot. And you just got to get it back. Yeah. I think one of the more interesting debates on this Broncos 100 as well will be some special teamers. And I'm not just talking about now kickers that's a, or that's punters. That's an outstanding thing. For example, we had a guy in the 70s uh, named Ken Kreider. He was a tremendous special teams player. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have the answer myself. Yeah. I don't know uh, where you go with special teams guys. Keith Burns was another. Keith Burns, Detron Smith is an, a name who's on this list. I don't, Proton, Neutron, Detron. That's what I told Sports <laughs> Illustrated. They said, how do you pronounce it? And it, it made the, they said it. Mm-hmm. I said, Proton, Neutron, Detron. And return specialists as well, because Darian Gordon, who played some cornerback as well, but probably more remembered as a punt returner for that big game is Carolina in particular back in 1997. Trendon Holiday, who yeah. shown brightly but briefly briefly though in 2012 and 2013 see and of course had that amazing game in the playoff loss to baltimore the, the one thing like for trinden though boy uh he was a one-trick pony and had some difficulty holding on to the ball i i think there there are as many cases to be made a guy played one year it's about the minimum you could possibly play because, mm-hmm. well, actually, zero doesn't count as playing. But can you write the history of the Broncos without him? I don't know. You know what it's going to come to, Andrew, for me? It's going to come to how close I come to our 100 and the spaces that I have left, if any. If I'm at 106 and he's not on it, he's probably going to have a hard time as I cut the six out. You know, But if I'm at 88 mm-hmm. uh, and looking to fill in some gaps... I, I, I don't. Is, I don't know. I think this is a preview of the debate that we're going to have about a month from now, when we're yeah. really kind of getting down to brass tacks on this thing. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be, and uh, and I plan to do my list because you can't do it off memory at mm-hmm. the time, but and I'm not trying to put them in order. Mm-hmm. No, no, not in order. Right. You know, uh, Deacon, Deacon Jones said once, "The Hall of Fame is the place where I can't possibly catch John Elway, <laughs> and he can't possibly get away from me." Because we're all in the Hall of Fame, like the symbol for eternity. So I think the same thing is true here. You're picking out the 100 greatest Bronco players. Don't try to put them in order. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't even do that. It's just the list is the list is the list. That's true. And I have the list in front of me now. So I, just, I like scanning these names. Yeah. I like to, and The memories come flooding back. But some of these names I look at they and come I say, back for you. you Try for my, yeah. my seat. And I think, okay, it'll be an interesting debate getting down to 100 because I can't see 100 without fill in the blank here. I can't see a list of 100 without Bob Swenson. 
Well, Bob Swenson was a heck of a player. He was a pro bowler once, and, you know, he helped lead to a rule change in the NFL. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. But the 1977 title game against the Raiders, Bob Swenson just mauled Dave Casper. And I think the next year they came up with a rule that said, beyond five yards down from the line of scrimmage, you can't do this. Yes. That game led to several things. Uh, Morton, uh, the, the, the next year, the injury reports. We began the injury reports. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hard to believe. Closed it, practices all week. leading up to the AFC and, Championship game. And the press would ask Red, because they couldn't go to practice, how did Craig look today? And Red would say, look pretty good. Red didn't add, yeah, I brought the game plan to him in his hospital bed, and he looked pretty good. I wrote a book uh, called Game of My Life, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Craig Morton is one of the guys in there who um, explains that whole game. Remarkable game. You know, for that championship game, Red tied his shoes. Craig, yeah. Craig could put his uniform he on. He couldn't bend over. He couldn't bend over. And so Red spoke to the offensive lineman in very honest and brutal terms, terms and said, you know, I had to tie his shoes as the whole locker room could see this, that this is the AFC, AFL player, AFC player of the year, mm-hmm. and the coach is tying his shoes. Mm-hmm. And he said he gets knocked down. Craig got knocked down twice in that game, each time on the other hip. On the, the good hip. And so uh, he was able to get up and play. But, um, yeah, Bob Swenson was a tremendous player. That's one of those, though, that I, I don't, I, on my own mind, I don't know. And I don't want to keep, my, I don't want to put him high because of my prejudices. But and, maybe it's a Bob Swenson versus, he, say, DJ Williams debate. Oh, I got to be honest on that. That's Bob Swenson. Yeah. DJ Williams, he didn't have a Pro Bowl. Like Bob Swenson. Now, I would argue DJ Williams probably should have had a Pro Bowl appearance at some point. But, but, uh, boy, that's one of those that um, I got to, you know, I I love all my players, but I got to take Bob Swenson on that one. And those are guys that are sort of a notch behind, for example, Al Wilson. That's right. Al Al Wilson will come eat this table if he has to. Yeah, well, hopefully we're talking about Al Wilson being a ring of famer at some point down the line as well. That won't surprise me a yes. bit. I, all I can say is I won't surprise me. Uh, but, yeah, boy, Al Wilson, holy magoli how he played the game. Mm. Fierce and a leader as well. I mean, I, I, in terms of influential captains on the team. He was strong. He was right up there, at least among, in the last strong. 25 years or so, as far as a presence in that yeah, locker room. My wife and I led. just saw the uh, uh, Avengers Endgame, the kind of thing where the superhero just says, this is the line, mm-hmm. and there's 80,000 of you coming at me. Uh, good luck to you. <laughs> and uh, that's, that was like Al Wilson playing the game. The quintessential play for him was that night against the Raiders, 2004, Sunday night football, fourth down, meets the running back yeah. up high. Although, having said that. That far, no farther, but the Broncos lost right. that game. Although, having said that, the best I ever saw over the middle of that far, no farther, without any question, is Randy Gratishar. Oh, yes, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, he should be. Uh, yeah, that should happen. I hope that will happen next year. I'm, uh, I'm. You haven't said too much. It's, it's David Baker told our radio station that too, about the idea of an expanded class. Yeah. Well, I fingers crossed. When I it actually, actually happen happens. to know the date that it's going to happen, and uh, <laughs> I'll have to let them announce that. But I. But uh, well, considering that of the of the 
the top guys of the 44 guys who have uh, played nine or more years and been in the Pro Bowl 70% of the time, 43 are in the Hall of Fame. The 44th is uh, Atwater. Yes. 45 and 46 in a tie are Gratishar and the late Jerry Mays from the the Chiefs. So how you if you're going to put in 10 or 15 old timers to even it up, how those aren't the how, first guys, how they aren't the first two, never mind, if, is beyond me. Is beyond me. It also underscores how is Steve Atwater not in the Hall of Fame already? Well, absolutely. Even but though he's closer now than ever. Closer now than ever. Momentum is in I his really, direction. Momentum is in his direction. But, uh, you know, you always think that any human being that gets, can get fascinated by the new, um, the new voice, the new starlet, the new whatever, and you want to say, hold it, hold it. Don't you remember? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, like when, when somebody says this is the new Marilyn Monroe, let's not forget, what about the... Original, original Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> or, you know, this is the new Babe Ruth. Okay, then let's not forget the original Babe Ruth. Well, who finished second in home runs the year Babe Ruth hit 60? And how many did he have? Oh, I don't know. Do you know that? Well, that would be uh, Babe Ruth. He had the record in, uh, was it 27, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'll give you one other one on Babe Ruth. Do you know that as of this moment, as of this moment, as of now, he has, I think, the 13th best ERA as a mm -hmm. pitcher in baseball history. That puts you in the Hall of Fame. Babe no. had like 90-some complete games as a pitcher oh. and 90-some wins. Okay. 1927, Babe Ruth, 60 home runs. Lou Gehrig, 47 home runs. He was second. Next closest was 18 Ugh. in the American League. Murderer's Row. Wow. That's like playing, you know, you got seven-man football and you're going against Peyton Manning. And so That's I, just not good. What I'm saying is that... He's got 11 guys and you got seven. The Babe Ruth of today would literally have to hit 100 home runs. The right. next guy hits 70. And then beyond that hits... 25 or 30. Uh, do you know who, you must know who Lee Remmel was. Yes. Lee Remmel is, is Green the Bay Remmel deceased. He was with the Packers, is in their ring of honor, was their PR man and for many, many, many years. And he has told me it is not a popular thing to say in this day and age, but he has said the greatest Packer of all time was Don Hudson, the wide receiver. He was literally... Five decades ahead of his time yes. in terms it, of his production. That's right. If you if mm. you said that now a receiver is going to catch a, a like number of passes, he's catching 227 passes a year or something and scoring 40 touchdowns, something like this. This oh. is what's happening today if, if, you're, if you're Don Hudson. Well, he doesn't have the stadium named after him, of course. That is for the great Curly Lambeau. That's correct. And, of course... Not a street that the Packers facility is on. That's Lombardi Avenue. But their indoor practice facility is, to this day, the Don Hudson Center. And not to deviate too much, but to deviate a little bit, Scott Birch told, the, he's now, uh, I think he's kind of like a special assignment guy uh, for the Bills. Kind of, they, they changed roles a few years ago. But when, when Scott was, uh, he began his career with the Packers. So he's a young assistant PR guy. And they, they say, well, well, let's get you a desk. Let's go to this like this warehouse we got where we got all these desks. And um, you can pick one out. 
So uh, he sees a piece of tape on one desk that says Lombardi. And he said, what does that piece of tape mean? And somebody says, oh, that was Vince Lombardi's desk. And he said, and these are all available? I'll take Lombardi's desk. <laughs> anyway, now uh, I, he, uh, it, had, it, it was in his den at home, but it was in his office in Buffalo for many years. And he had two desks, the one he sat behind and Lombardi's desk. And other co sometimes coaches would come in and they'd lean against a piece of furniture that happened to be a desk. And they'd say, hey, is it true you got Vince Lombardi's desk? And he'd say, yes, it is. And they'd say, wow, where is it? He'd say, you're sitting on it. And they'd jump off. But <laughs> when he was going to leave the Packers, they said, kid, we'll give you something. Um, come down to like our storeroom again. Nobody has a storeroom like the Packers. So he, he finds this gigantic uh, warm-up coat that, like they had you on the sidelines. And on the inside, it, it says Hudson. <laughs> now that is on display at the Hall of Fame. He donated lo Loaned by Scott Birchtold. Yes. But they gave him, they just let him have it. Don Hudson's. Uh, anyway, um, but, you know, like somebody would say, well, I never he heard of that guy. Okay, okay, but that doesn't mean that somebody wasn't somebody just because you haven't heard of him. I always say when you're driving across a bridge, if it's the John Doe Bridge, and you say, who's John Doe? Well, maybe the answer is, I don't know, maybe nobody now. But once upon a time, they named the bridge for him. So he must have been something. And... One thing about one positive aspect of the era in which we are in terms of the access and to information is aspects. that when you drive across, like you say, the hypothetical John Doe Bridge and you're driving along saying, oh, who is that? Well, it is very easy now to go find out. And inevitably, when I'm traveling, I see something like that. I end up learning something interesting that I may not have always known. Yeah, well, that's one of the Google's fantastic, isn't yes. it? I mean, Google and it's. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, once in a while, you or you see a movie and you wind up uh, looking up a movie star, mm -hmm. and invariably you say, wow, I didn't know that, w which is the genesis of mm -hmm. my TV show thing. Yes. Wow, I didn't know that stat or fact. And one of the things I hope happens for people who take part in this Broncos 100 and vote on that, there are names that are probably unfamiliar to some listeners, but I, I'm sure, and I'm, I'm sure some are, and I think it'd be really cool. Go on Google, and if you don't know, for example, who Larry Kaminsky mm -hmm. was, go look him up. Yeah, center for eight seasons with the Broncos yeah. in the '60s and '70s, bridging and the pre-Saban era to John Ralston. Some guys don't make the top hundred, but there was a nobility to what they did. Larry Kaminsky might be a good example because I, I wouldn't call him one of our best offensive linemen ever. We've had some great ones. But he played eight years slugging it out in the middle of the line forever. A real nobility. You know, Chip Myrtle was a linebacker on Lou Saban's teams. He's on this list, too. Yeah, and he once told me, he said, you got to wear those rings, which most of us don't wear the rings. You know, we don't. But he said, doggone it, we, we tore up our knees. We had blood, sweat, and tears to try to win. Those of you who, when you won, wear those rings. I can't argue with that, mm -hmm. but the ring is so big. I'm, I'm so flattered to have them, but the rings are so big that they're like wearing manhole covers, so we don't. But his point was, you know, we, yeah, wear the ring, and th there's some, something to be said for that. I try to. Bust I don't it wear out. mine often enough. Yeah. In fact, I tell myself I should wear it every game day, but then sometimes you're not trying to. 
-hmm. I think the right guy takes it the right way. You're not trying to show up a current player. Right. You're wearing it, and somebody who sees it, ideally, if they're the right kind of guy, says, that is why I play. And you're lucky enough to have it. Steve Atwater, of all people, he encourages me to wear my ring more often than I do. So I, Steve Atwater is one of the nicest men I've ever met in my life. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful man, and yeah, and he's got. Well, let's see. He's got a ring of. He's got two Super Bowl championship rings. But the one I see him wearing the most often is the Ring of Fame. The Ring, ring of Fame ring, and with fewer any, people have it. He says, "Good luck." He may very well have a, a Hall of Fame ring. That's soon. the one I think that he'll wear most often. Yeah, when the, he gets these are yeah the ones that are least common are more special. He, uh, I think, Steve also, if and when he gets in the Hall of Fame. He might be a little like Terrell Davis with the Hall of Fame jacket. Terrell Davis wore it so often after he got into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the elbows got shiny. Exactly. He got close (laughs) to wearing it out. (laughs) (laughs) But good for you, Terrell. Yeah. Wear it. If you've got it, That's exactly right. That's exactly right. One of the most exclusive clubs in the world. That's right. In the world of sports, for sure. And given the dominance of the United States of America... And the dominance of football in the United States of America, yes, one of the most exclusive clubs in the world. So we wrap this up. We encourage you to vote for the Broncos 100. Of course, it's at yeah. denverbroncos.com slash Broncos 100. We'll take you there. And if you think, I can't think of 100 guys, can you think of one guy? Can you think of one? And it can vote be, for the one. And it's your favorite Broncos, so it doesn't have to be the ones you no. think are the best. So if you've got a special memory, for example— no memory is a bad one. You know who will probably get an outsized number of votes because of one special memory that a lot of people have? Jeremiah Castile. Uh, as opposed to no votes, yes. Because yeah. he forced the fumble at the goal line. Yeah. And even though he only played two seasons. And refused to talk best- to the media right. after that game. A real contentious issue for me. But you couldn't write Broncos history without no, Jeremiah you Castile. You could, though I will say... I will probably not wind up putting Jeremiah right. Castile on my ballot. But you know what? There's no bad opinion. There's no bad vote. Uh, you know, so The only I bad say, vote is the one you don't make. That's right. So I say to a fan, get on there and vote. Nobody's going to laugh at what you've got to say. In fact, it'll make all of us think and say, wow, that's a heck of a thought that this person has. Well, hopefully this list will bring back uh, memories for all of you voting, and hopefully this brought, this podcast brought back memories for you listening. Jim, always appreciate it. Andrew, my great pleasure. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. For Jim Sakamano, it's Andrew Mason. Thanks for joining us on the Broncos History Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.